Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Satan is a created being. Jesus is not. He always has been. So there's no equivalent in Satan and Jesus or Satan and God. Jesus is always greater. And by the way, if you're a Christian, Jesus lives in you. That's why we don't have fear. No Christian can ever be demon-possessed. Satan can't come in because the Holy Spirit doesn't rent rooms in your house. Some people think that Satan and God are two equal but opposite powers. Like light and darkness, they imagine that they are equal but opposite entities. But nothing could be further from the truth. In reality, light and darkness are not equal but opposite. Darkness cannot overcome light, and light dispels darkness. In today's message, Pastor Mark reminds us that Satan is a created being. Jesus is not. Jesus has always been. Satan has not. Jesus' power is infinite. Satan's is not. Remember, Jesus is always greater than Satan, and as a believer, Jesus dwells within you. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part one of his message entitled, Two Kingdoms in Conflict. The book of Matthew chapter 12 will begin in a moment at verse 22. Matthew chapter 12. One dark night, a burglar waited outside a house until the owners left the home. He entered the home through a window and quietly walked toward the staircase. Obviously, it was black inside and suddenly he heard a voice. I see you and Jesus sees you. Startled, he looked around, but he couldn't see anything. After a moment, he started to walk again, and that voice, this time a little louder, said, I see you and Jesus sees you. Finally, he stopped, took out his flashlight, and began flashing it around the room to figure out where in the world that was coming from. And he said, who's there? Again, the voice said, I see you and Jesus sees you. Well, he couldn't figure it was, and then he finally discovered it was in this area, and he looked over there with his flashlight, and there was this little parrot in this cage. And the parrot screeched when the light came on him, I see you and Jesus sees you. Well, the burglar said, you stupid parrot, if you don't shut your mouth, I'm going to take this flashlight and stuck it right down your throat. Just that moment after he finished that, he heard another sound the burglar did. It was kind of a low growl. He didn't know where that came from, but he took his flashlight, he looked around, and he looked right below the parrot's cage, and there was this mean-looking Rottweiler sitting right there. He didn't know what to do. 
He stood back. The parent said, Sick him, Jesus. <laughs> that dog had some bite in him. In today's teaching, Jesus got some bite for us. There's some questions that I'm sure you've asked yourself. You're going to find them in this teaching. Some incredible questions that are fairly common in our world, Christian or non-Christian. You know, when Jesus began his ministry, those last three and a half years of his life, it was the beginning of a, of a conflict. It brought to the forefront something that, well, kind of had been hidden for many years. Jesus would begin to heal and to deliver and to teach. And all of a sudden, this conflict came out in the open. It was a huge conflict. It was spiritual warfare. It was a battle. If you look in this passage that we're going to teach today, you will discover a couple kingdoms. Look down in verse 26. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? So we have the kingdom of Satan. We'll look down in verse 28. But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. First things to write today, there are only two spiritual kingdoms in this world. And every person belongs to one of them. In verse 26... We were introduced to the kingdom of Satan. That kingdom is where Satan rules. In verse 28, we were introduced to the kingdom of God. And that's where God rules. Barna just came out with his latest survey and he went through and interviewed unchurched people. Listen to this. 64% of unchurched people contend that Satan is not a living being, just a symbol of evil. You see, the unchurched don't even believe there is a kingdom of Satan. Maybe there is, but obviously he's not real. Well, how can that be? Well, it's because Satan's a great deceiver. Certainly there's a kingdom of Satan, and there is a kingdom of God. Now, how do these kingdoms operate? What's the goal? What's taking place? If I'm in one of those two kingdoms, I'd kind of like know what's happening. Well, you know the verse. You know it by heart. The thief comes, John 10, 10, to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. So if you're in the kingdom of Satan, and let me back up for a second. When I was born, when you were born, everyone that's born is born in the kingdom of Satan. Everyone. Everyone. So what happens in that kingdom? Well, in that kingdom, you're going to discover that Satan wants to steal and kill and destroy. Now, logically, if I knew that and understood that, and I had a chance to change kingdoms, would I? Well, for sure. Especially when I know that the kingdom of God comes to give me life and abundance and joy and peace. When you got up today, if you're a Christian, I mean, there's nothing better. It doesn't even matter what's going on in your life. There's just nothing better. So if I was born in this kingdom of Satan and I know that it's 
stealing and killing and death and destruction and pain and sorrow and tears and nothing good. Man, I'm looking for, how do I get out of here? Why aren't people? Well, because they're deceived. They think that the fun is in the kingdom of Satan. They think when you go down to South Beach, what do you think's happening this week in the Caribbean, over in Texas on those islands? What do you think's happening? Well, what's happening is Sex City. Drinking, everybody going to bed with everybody, all kinds of diseases passing, pregnancies will come out of it, people raped, people killed, accidents everywhere. Man, we had a great time. When you stand back and look at it, you go, what is wrong with us? It's because we're deceived. We're deceived. And so our kids, they watch MTV, and they see lie after lie after lie. Sounds like a good time. It's not a good time. Wait till they see the end result. It's horrible. So we understand that if you're born in that kingdom, and I am, and you are, and everyone was, to change kingdoms, there has to be something different take place in your life. You know, if, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So if I'm born in the kingdom of Satan, and I do nothing about it, when I die, I go where Satan goes. You say, well, I don't believe there's a hell. Oh, you will. Ten seconds after you die. But it's too late. Somebody came to me recently and said, in a serious manner, it's a very good question, excellent question. Can I pray for those who have died? Well, no, you can't. You can pray for them. It doesn't do a bit of good. See, once you breathe your last breath, it's over. doesn't matter what you've been told. It's not in the Bible. It's appointed unto man once to die and after death the judgment. So Jesus is going to be in this battle, and he's going to tell us how to move from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. It's the most basic question of all. You see, we're doing buildings, and we're doing stroller parking, and we're doing land purchases and all that. I I love all this stuff. We're getting, we'll be starting new churches, and we're sending missionaries all over the world in the next few months. Lots of movement. I love it. But it's not about buildings. It's not about money. It's about one thing, people. You see, we have to remember to keep the main thing the main thing. It's people. You will spend somewhere in eternity. Where? That's what the battle is about. And there's only one battle in two kingdoms. The conflict is right in front of us. Let's begin in verse 22. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. And Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. Understand this. Before there was any sin, there was no sickness and there was no death. So when people see that this man is demon-possessed and he's blind and mute, many people think, well, all sickness is a result of demon possession. No, that's not true. All sickness comes indirectly because of sin. That is true. Not your sin, but the sin of the world, the world we live in, all this stuff, all the damage that comes because Satan's goal is to steal and kill and destroy. So that's the world we live in today. So this man is demon-possessed. We see the effects of Satan's kingdom right in our face. The man was blind, he was unable to speak, and he was possessed with a demon. But we see warfare. Jesus took this man from the kingdom of Satan and he put him over here. The demon's gone. 
The man can now see. He can see very clearly. And he can talk. Well, what does that mean? Steal, kill, and destroy. Give you life. It's very clear. So as you look at that, first thing you want to write this morning from that verse, Jesus is always more powerful than Satan. Remember, don't get this wrong in your theology. Satan is a created being. Jesus is not. He always has been. So there's no equivalent in Satan and Jesus or Satan and God. Jesus is always greater. And by the way, if you're a Christian, Jesus lives in you. That's why we don't have fear. No Christian can ever be demon-possessed. Satan can't come in because the Holy Spirit doesn't rent rooms in your house. Now, notice the reaction of the people in verse 23. Now, all the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? Could this be the Messiah? You see, the people knew... Well, they knew from the Old Testament what the Messiah would do, that he would heal people. So they're going, must be him. But they also thought that he would come and set up his earthly kingdom and overrule the Romans. But he wasn't doing that. So they're confused. They're going, well, it looks like Jesus, but the other he's not doing anything politically. Is this really the one? Interesting. Look at the next reaction in verse 24. But when the Pharisees heard this, they said... It's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. So the Pharisees blindly disagree. In fact, they accuse Jesus of healing this man, not by the power of God, but by the power of Satan. Now look at verse 25. Jesus knew their thoughts. You know, he knows what you're thinking right now. Amazing. He knew their thoughts and he said to them, listen to this statement, every kingdom... Divided against itself will be in ruin. Every city or household divided against itself will not stand. Jesus says if Satan drives out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then can the kingdom of Satan stand? So we have these war of words. Jesus says, would Satan really drive out people from his kingdom? You know the term. Sometimes we do something stupid and you say, that guy just shot himself in the foot. What Jesus is saying is, Satan's just constantly shooting himself in the foot. And all the people that didn't want him in his kingdom, he's chasing them out. Well, we know that's not true. So what Jesus is really trying to say, and it's kind of interesting to us, he says, if Satan was using his own power to drive people out, there would be this civil war in Satan's kingdom and Satan's kingdom would be destroyed. Well, let me ask you this morning, is Satan's kingdom destroyed today? No, not at all. So Jesus just says this, the logic you're using, it's absurd. Satan's not working against himself. It couldn't be. It would never work. Now, let's go back to the statement, though. See, the principle is very true. Look at it again in verse 25. Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. I want you to write it down. I just wrote it in another way, and it's simple, but you need to understand the principle, because this principle applies to you, and it applies to me. You see, 
If there's a kingdom or a church or a city that's divided against itself, it won't last. So Jesus says a kingdom or a church. If a church has a church split and they're divided and they're not going the same direction, my friends, it won't stand. We've seen that through the years. How about a home divided against itself? Can your home, if there's division in the home and your husband and wife are against, can it last? No. Why do we have divorce? For that very reason. You see, when this principle goes back to the start of creation, the main building block of society is the home. There wasn't a city hall. There wasn't a school. There wasn't a police force. There was not a church. But there was a home. In Genesis, we read this verse. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. You see, a a home is to be a place of oneness, not a place of perfectness. That doesn't ever happen in our homes. There's no perfect marriages, but there's a oneness. Well, what is oneness? I want you to write this down this morning. What does God say when he's interested in oneness? Oneness can be defined as being in agreement with God's will for our lives and in agreement with our spouse. Amos says it like this. Can two people walk together? Can two people walk together unless they've agreed to do so? Let me tell you, over the last few years, I've changed. I'll say to the prospective bride here, you want a man in your life that loves God with everything he's got. You don't just want a Christian You want a man who's godly, who's going to love you, who's going to stand and do devotions with you. He's going to pray with you. You're going to work as a team to cover your home. You want a guy that's not afraid to bring his Bible to Sunday and go, yeah, and he's in a men's group and he he loves God. Not perfect, but he goes for it. And then I turn to the girl and I say, is that the kind of guy you're marrying? Then I say to the man, Take a look at the young gal you have over here. Now, she's pretty, she's young, got all the right shape, all that stuff. I say, that's cool. 50 years, that's all going to change, so relax. (laughs) But I say to the guy, seriously, I say to the guy, you just don't want a pretty girl. Nothing wrong with that, That's, that's like an extra. But you want a woman that loves God. And that can pray with your children. And I always remember my mom when I was a teenager. I'd go upstairs in the side room. I'd hear my mom. God, keep my two sons. Keep them true. Protect them. Woo! Didn't mean much then. Now you know why I'm here today. I need a woman. You need a wife like that. And so I say to the guy, is that the kind of girl you have? No, not perfect. There are no perfects. But if that's not what they have, they'll never walk in agreement. Notice the last key. The last key is team, unity, oneness. You see, Jesus said a kingdom, a home divided itself, it can't stand. You say, Pastor Mark, we haven't divorced. Yes, but your home is death. You don't sleep together. You have sex once a year. You can't stand vacations together. You just barely get along in the room together. What is that? It's divorce, but you're still in the same home. That's all it is. Because there's no oneness. 
The home is divided. Listen to these words. You see, Satan wants to bring disunity, not unity, not perfectness. Lord help us, we all fight in our homes. Is that true? Yes. You say, you mean you fight? Yes, I'm always trying to keep my wife straight. It's a hard thing. (laughs) But she has a harder job trying to keep me straight. I guarantee you that. But at the end of the day, we work it out. I want to give you some words today. You can kind of take the temperature of your own home. Is there unity in your home or disunity? When you're with God, God's part of the marriage. It's a threesome. Listen to this. If you hear these words, these are words from the kingdom of Satan. They're not from the words from the kingdom of God. I'm hurt. I'm trapped. I'm put down. We'll never make it. I'm ready to quit. You see, when those words begin to be sprinkled through the conversation, the outcome is already guaranteed. A divorce is coming. Yeah, but the next one's going to be better. No, your chances of the next one are worse than this. And it declines rapidly. Why? Because I didn't fight for my marriage. I didn't go for the oneness. Every home divided against itself, it won't last. Now here's words from God. This is the kind of words you need to be speaking that I need to be speaking in our homes. I need you. That'd be a good thing for you to get with your spouse today and say, I need you. By the way, I know there's many of you divorced. You're looking... You're wondering, will God ever do anything? Yes, he will. You can't go to the past. The past is the past. But remember what I told you what you need to look for? You just don't look for a guy. And you just want to look for a gal. You say, well, I'm looking for just a Christian guy and a Christian gal. No, you want to look for what I told you. And by the way, while you're looking, you become that other person. And then God will bless you. Well, he'll bless your your socks off or your flannel nightgown or whatever you wear. He'll bless it off. Here's the other words. I need you. How do you see it? Let's work it out. I'll help you. Here's a big one. Together, we can make it. You see, marriage is supposed to have enjoyment. Ecclesiastes 9.9. Enjoy life with your wife. Not separate. With her. Whom you love. You see, life is designed for companionship, for friendship. Not isolation. For this intimacy thing. Not loneliness. Intimacy is not only sexual, but of course it is sexual. It's all of those things. In our world, it's amazing what you find in Christian homes. Amazing to me. Do you know that one morning, one of us will wake up, and there'll only be one person on the bench. Death will have come. By all statistics, Linda will be alone on the bench. It could be that I might outlive her. I'll be alone on the bench. You say, well, I don't like to think about that. You should. When are you going to start enjoying life with your spouse? There are only two kingdoms in this world. That's it. Everyone is either in a kingdom in which God is the ruler or Satan is the ruler. In today's message, Pastor Mark taught us about two kingdoms that are in conflict. Sometimes people may be tempted to believe that these kingdoms and these rulers are equal but opposite. Not so. Pastor Mark reminded us that we don't need to fear. Jesus is always more powerful than Satan. Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. 
There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. We can learn a lot about these two kingdoms from Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will share with us some key points to be learned about these two kingdoms, which will translate into life lessons for us. Like a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand, this has great implications for marriage. And Pastor Mark will explain the unpardonable sin. What exactly did Jesus mean by this? We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world. Yeah.